0: You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi,
1: And welcome to today's episode of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. I'm very excited to have an organ- organizational psychologist and the principal for strategy meets performance. Sherry Nouravi as our guest. Sherry, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you so much to be here.
1: It's good to have you here, and I'd like to thank our sponsors for making this possible: Center Club, Community Bank, Decision Toolbox, Executives Unlimited, MBN Design, SNH Rubber, Strategic Market Intelligence, Sunup Group, T and Company, Tone Software, Turn Up the Volume, and last but not least, UPS Protection. The goal for this show is to help you, our listening audience of CEOs who are running middle market firms, to improve your decision making skills. If you'd like to connect with me on LinkedIn, I'm Richard Rick franzi ceo peer groups is my twitter handle and on your favorite podcasting software type in these four words critical mass radio show and you'll receive our weekly updates of our programs although this week we're doing an extra bonus show tomorrow so if you're listening to us live you may want to tune in on octalkradio.net Tomorrow at 4 p.m., as well, where we have our special focus on the Pediatric Cancer Institute and two of the guests who work and support that organization. All right, I, you know, communication is a critically important aspect for a growing company. And to get communication and then culture that you've dreamed of within your company, I've been asked, I've been asked Sherry to come and kind of talk about the steps you need to take so that you can be successful in this critical area. So, I'm excited to have you on the program. Sherry, let's talk to our audience a little bit about your background.
2: My background started in uh, psychology and journalism, and I was doing corporate communications work for Fortune 500 organizations. And I really started seeing the importance of leadership in the workplace. And eventually, over the years, worked my way towards where I am today. I um, got my master's in organizational communication and many, many different certifications and training and personality assessments, and I had a lot of jobs where I was an internal consultant for organizations, helping them really build their teams and their leaders, and working with other consultants, and I came to a point where I realized I just wanted a little bit more training so I could provide a everything to help my clients change their culture and not just coaching not just training and development but really the ability to help them look at the culture they have and align their senior teams and make change so I actually decided after all these years of experience to go back to school and it was a great experience really getting me that extra edge that I needed and after I completed it I started my organization because I just felt I was at a point that I could do it and really help my clients who are growing quickly and need that help.
1: Okay. And um, uh, the way you answered that question, some of the words you chose lead me to believe that the cultural alignment isn't always automatically there with leadership teams?
2: Exactly. Here's the thing. Growing companies have growing pains, and they are led by smart, talented people who t- have taken the risk to start an organization and um, they're trying to keep it strong and provide the services and products to their customers and along the way sometimes forget about the culture they forget that the decisions that they make or don't make impact the rest of the employees um, i have what i call culture killers which um, I see a lot in the companies that I work with, and it's very natural for them to happen okay. as the company's growing so quickly.
1: Okay, are we going to touch on the culture killers? I would love to. Okay, are we going to talk about that later in the talk? Whenever
2: well, you're ready. Well, I yeah. I was uh,
1: <laughs> I'm th- I'm here for you, Sherry.
2: I'm here for you. Uh, man. All right.
1: In that case, uh, is it that people leaders just assume? That the culture is understood and it will continue to thrive as they grow? Or what is it that you're seeing and is it a culture killer that causes the culture not to be what it is, uh, what the executives thought it was or what it was in the early days, in the good old days when there were just three of us and Mm -hmm. that kind of a thing?
2: Um, You can look at culture as the personality of the organization. And whoever started the organization and whoever is leading it, you're going to see those aspects of those people's personality in the organization. So if you have a leader who is high risk and fast moving and great at firefighting, that's what you are role modeling and telling your employees is great for the company. And to a degree, it is. Okay. And what happens, though, is... In this, um, in this drive for being flexible and you know being very innovative and going toward risk, sometimes the other things like long-term planning fall to the wayside or they're not um, something that's as balanced. Okay. And so that's where some of these great strengths that these leaders bring in turn into weaknesses and what I call culture killers.
1: Okay. So you that's the second time you brought that up. So uh, let's talk about culture killers then. You're listening to Critical Mass Radio Show. Sherry Nouravi is my guest, and she's an organizational psychologist, the prin- and she's the principal of her firm, Strategy Meets Performance. We've got about three minutes till our next commercial break, so can we touch on some of the culture killers that you've identified? In- sure. Okay. These
2: are basically the symptoms that come up when I do a culture assessment and I talk to people in the organization about what's going well and what's not. Okay. So a couple examples of them. And uh, they all start from the top are that the leaders will say one thing and do another. So they're not walking the talk. And that's something that hurts the culture because the employees are looking to you to follow through with what you are saying you will do. And so when you don't, it impacts morale. It makes people very confused.
1: Can I ask, is that a intentional thing or unintentional?
2: Great question. Great question. There's a lot of pressure in running an organization and keeping it strong and so a leader may say look every customer needs to be treated the same regardless of the size and then a great huge new customer comes in and the leader may say well let's push them ahead in the production line and it's understandable why it happens but here's the thing employees are saying well so that's going to push back our production dates what does that mean last week and last month and last year when you kept telling us it's important for us to treat all customers the same okay you know so they're they're looking to see the follow-through and walk the talk and here's the thing it requires discipline and it requires sometimes just taking the hit and making those tough decisions and perhaps telling that great new client you know what, I'm so sorry, we would love to have the product to you at this date, but we have other pro- customers, and we just can't, and we wouldn't do it to you. Right. And, you know, might, might it be a risk? Might they go with someone else? Possibly. But what you're doing is living to the values that you've been talking about. Right. And that's going to strengthen your culture, because it sends a very strong message.
1: Interesting. All right, we have about two minutes left. Are there? Can you touch on any of the other sure. culture Sure. Other
2: comments? ones are um, flavor of the week. Which I hear a lot of, and this is when the leaders are really um, creative and innovative and always scanning the environment looking for great new ways to expand business. Right. And where it becomes overplayed is there's a new idea constantly, and then it's sent out to everyone from corporate and from the leaders, and then people start doing it, and then it kind of drops off. Right. And so that's where, again, it starts impacting the culture because then people employees and leaders will tell me well if we ignore it it goes away wait it out and so and you know that's a darn shame because if the leaders um, continue this behavior of bringing the ideas and then being really careful which ones they want to take all the way through and they vet them and get support and buy-in from everyone it'll create so much more success and also help um, bring more of that behavior in the organization. Right,
1: it creates a learning organization that's Absolutely. growing. Yeah, there's a lot There's a lot of good benefits that could come from that. Right. right,
2: right. It's about taking it to the end.
1: Okay, so I've got to wrap up this for a second. Man, did it go fast, talking with Sherry. We're going to be back, ladies and gentlemen. Don't you go anywhere, because when we come back, uh, I'm going to ask her the kind of few ways that her firm helps companies bring out culture and communications that they've dreamt about that they know that they want as a leader but maybe they not be seeing it in their organization so don't go anywhere you're going to want to learn from sherry about that after these words from our valued sponsors
0: richard franzi is the author of two popular business books for ceos his first book Critical Mass, The Ten Explosive Powers of CEO Peer Groups, was the first book ever written on the secret value of CEO Peer Groups. His second book, now with newly updated information, is Critical Mass, The Power of CEO Guiding Principles. Richard's books contain powerful information to help CEOs running middle market companies gain valuable insight to improve their decision-making skills. Richard's books are available as paperbacks or Kindle versions from Amazon.com. To find them, type Richard Franzi in the search box. Are you looking for your successor, someone as dedicated and experienced in their field as you? Executives Unlimited delivers the top executive talent you need for your company's long-term success. 98% of our clients re-engage us for additional hires and over 90% of the executives placed by us since 2007 are still in their positions or have been promoted. That's twice the industry's average retention rate. How do we do this? Dedication. Executives Unlimited believe success isn't success until it's long-term. Call us to invest in your long-term success. 562-627-3800 or visit us at executivesunlimited.com. Let our long-term success leverage yours.
1: And welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. Sherry Nuravi is our guest. She's an organizational psychologist and the principal at Strategy Meets Performance. You know, it, it dawned on me, Sherry, that we got such into the conversation that I neglected to ask you to tell me a little bit in our audience about Strategy Meets Performance. What is your company comprised of? What do you do?
2: So I help companies create very strong cultures and it starts with really looking at the culture that exists and what makes it very strong and positive and what are some areas that it's not helping the company for its growth and when we talk about what is culture, it's in the simplest form how things are done, how decisions are made, when the leaders are not present. If the leaders are not around and um, you're looking at the types of behaviors in the organization that's kind of, this is what, how we are. This is how we do things.
1: Why like, is that important distinction when the leaders are not around?
2: Uh, because as you grow, as you scale, the most important thing you could do is create a strong culture that regardless of the location, regardless of which employees are with the customers, it's the same type of behavior. It's okay. the same mentality. You know, these great organizations you see, you know, Starbucks and Zappos and all of these companies that have grown quickly, they were very intentional from the beginning about the culture they wanted to have. They were intentional about the type of people they wanted to bring in. The skill sets are one thing but the behaviors and values and attitudes are a whole other thing
1: do you work with and have you been able to help companies to develop onboarding and hiring practices that allows them to get at that the, the fit part of it not the skills part but the cultural fit part
2: yes okay. yes and the first step really is to have the senior team look at what are the values that and the behaviors that have brought us to this point and what are the behaviors we need for the next stage in our organization? It's not just what's brought you here and, and articulating that and what it looks like. What else do you guys need? Okay. And and once they have that, I help the organization share that with, I help the leaders share that with the rest of the organization and have conversations around it. So it's really a process that is ingrained in, throughout the company and They get feedback, and it it takes a little bit of time until then the whole organization is in agreement. Yes, this is who we are. This is how we do things. And then you take that, and you use it for your hiring. You take it and use it for your onboarding, for how you promote people, for how you reinforce the behaviors that are important, for how you make the tough decisions where if you have a high performer who is making the company very successful but that person doesn't have the right behaviors – you coach them you help them and then you have a decision to make Mm -hmm. because that really will make an impact on your culture
1: i've always thought uh, that your values should be things that you're willing to fire terminate employee for if they consistently won't do it or violate that principle it should be a short set of things that are that serious to your company
2: i exactly agree with that and when I don't see people firing for people, uh, when these leaders are being difficult or um, on-board terrorists, as, right, right. as they're called, it's really sending a message to the rest of the organization that, hey, you know, if you are bringing in the money, if you're bringing in the revenue, it's okay how you act. And so it's those tough times when the um, CEO needs to... Take a look at this. And I always say, hey, try coaching the person. Sometimes people are not aware. Right. People you have to want, give them the opportunity, right? people want to be better. Right. So And I've seen a lot of turnarounds okay. um, in those So it can scenarios. happen. Absolutely. Okay. Um, but when it doesn't, then you have to make that tough call. Yeah. And it makes your company, in the short term... Will it hurt the bottom line a little bit? Will it be difficult? Yes. But in the long term, it will make your company much stronger.
1: So we're talking with Sherry Nurabi. She is the principal at Strategy Meets Performance. How did you come up with the name, Strategy Meets Performance?
2: I just thought, where is the bridge between the leaders coming up with the strategy and here are the employees with the performance? How do we bring them together? Because if the strategy is the what performance is the how right. it's the culture it's the values and it's creating that bridge
1: okay and so that's what you that's where you play then that's, that's where exactly. your company and that's where you sit all right um but you also have advanced degrees that uh, uh, that help you with this um do you find that employees want the executives to talk about culture to talk about values do you, do you find the audience is interested or do you find that you have to warm them up
2: for the most part people have sensibilities about what a good culture is whether it's for the employees whether it's for the customers whether it's for the overall community okay and um especially with millennials which are a huge percentage of the population and the working population especially by 2020 um they for them it's very natural they expect a company to be regularly paying attention to its culture they expect a company to have a proper talent management program where there are career paths and regular discussions on their performance and i think they're holding companies to a higher standard because these are things that companies should invest in right so you know for the most part i think it is changing the standards of the workplace, and you know, even in their interviews, they're asking how the company um, gives back, and so all of this is a natural part of discussions on the culture of the organization.
1: Right. I think they have a better millennials have a better sense for what how a company should comport itself than the previous two generations did in the workforce. The boomers were probably the worst, and the, the Gen X is maybe we took too much for granted, or we didn't think we had the right to ask
2: that's what i think i mean all the things they're asking about and expecting and thinking a workplace should be um positive and encouraging and all of those things i thought those years ago okay. i always thought you know gosh this doesn't seem like a very healthy work environment right. but we didn't have the words for it we didn't have the language for it so again it's raising the bar
1: right and i think it's better you're a better leader for being tested that way internally, right? Because then I think your story plays better in the marketplace. If it doesn't yeah. play in Peoria, it's not going to. I mean, many times we've seen successful politicians, stars, even companies who have one public perception of their brand and one internal perception. And once the internal makes it way the public, if it's radically different and worse, it becomes the overriding perception, right?
2: Yeah. I, if you start inside, internally, and. It's like the secret sauce that Herb Keller used to talk about yeah. with Southwest Airlines. If you take care of your people first, you are authentically creating a great brand that it will, especially with all this great social media available, it will become the external brand. Right. You don't have to worry about that as much these days because if you have, you're bringing on good people and you are growing them and you are creating a great environment, that brand will come through.
1: And the customers will notice that when they deal with your brand,
2: right? They they will notice it. It will be obvious. If you are really working on that culture, you could have different staff working with the same customer, and they will notice that consistency. Yes. And... um, in, not just in my training and my work with my clients, I've done a lot of research on the CEOs of high-performing companies, and they have certain trends in terms of how they bring people in and how they um, invest in their development, and it shows up. It shows up in the numbers. It shows up in the customer service. And ultimately in the brand.
1: Do you find that those companies that do that holistically and achieve positive results are also then become an attractive place for high-performing people to want to work? I mean, I would think it would make sense that if you're that type of person in the marketplace, you go, hey, I've heard good things. I know somebody. I've seen their brand. I mean, it might be a natural way to even attract those kind of people to your brand.
2: It absolutely does. And it's so easy to find out about organizations these days um, by looking online and there's websites like Mm glassdoor.com and just authentically care about the culture you're designing and know that the more intentional you are, the stronger it will be and it will really attract the best.
1: And where does that definition of what your culture is come from? Does that make sense? Did I ask that? It's kind of a clunky question, but where does because you can have very different cultures and very different companies and they all work right yes. if you have the right people yes. and the right leader. So where where where's your when you get with a leadership team and you mm-hmm. want to kind of bring them back to zero, where do you go to start building the culture building blocks?
2: Okay. So I like the question and one thing that's really important for your listeners to think about and remember and take comfort in is that there is no one type of great culture and a lot of times we'll see um you know we'll see videos of zappos and you know different companies that the tech companies that have the ping pong tables and that's great for them and their customers and their um, sales teams and so it's really about what kind of culture do you want to create it's all about the intention and the follow through of it i've had clients say you know i'd like a culture that's you know more professional I, we want it to be fun but we don't you know feel like we need to have all of these um big activities we actually like it to be more professional is that okay of course it's okay and the more clear you are on it the easier it'll be to attract people who feel comfortable in that
1: right it's okay if it's okay with you Right, as the leader, and if it's okay with the people that you have in your company.
2: And if you're going to attract people um, who have that behavior. You know, not every culture has to be this big, extroverted culture. Exactly. Where, you know, people have streamers everywhere, and and, uh, that's a great culture for a certain company, but it's not... There is no one-size-fits-all, and it's, it's so much more about being introspective and looking... At what kind of behaviors do we need now mm-hmm. and what do we need going forward.
1: That, that, that you mentioned it earlier. Thanks for circling back. So I want to ask you on that. I mean, I love that idea. We know what has worked for us up to this point. What has to be adjusted to take us to the next level? But how do you help them to not lose what they've built on by attracting something they think they're missing to get to the next level? Is that clear?
2: Yeah, so when I work with companies and do a culture assessment, I'm talking to not just the leaders, not just the next couple levels of leaders, but the informal leaders, the people who are really known for promoting the culture and the organization, regardless of what position they're in. And I'm asking them, you know, what is it that makes this company strong? How do you guys make decisions when there's crises? How do you make decisions in the absence of the leaders? And learning what are the the thoughts and understandings they have of how they think things should be. And... Then I ask them, where are the areas you guys can be stronger? Where do you guys struggle? Where are your customers going that maybe you're not quite there yet? Where do you think they're going to be changing that you guys need to keep up? And so it's really it could be that their customers are Um, very tech savvy and they're growing in that way but the company maybe doesn't do that that much okay so some of the new behaviors might be scanning the environment being more strategic and have very specifics around how each employee can create more of that innovation
1: okay so it's it's hard to take a company that goes from a hundred people to a thousand people and have it feel the same and look the same as 100 people and almost can't but there are some basic beliefs that have to be consistent between the two
2: yeah so it's let's say you have gone through the process of bringing together your senior team aligning them coming up with the values not just with them but throughout the organization it's then about how do you use those values to bring people on how do you onboard that how do you um, give them performance reviews where you're looking not just for the performance and what they've been brought on to do, but those behaviors? Are those coming through? Are you measuring them on that? And how are you promoting to that? And throughout this whole time, how are you communicating the importance of this throughout the organization? I do I, because I have the corporate communications background, I write the messaging for the CEO or the president. I, I aid in the whole corporate communication side of it because you, people really are hungry to know what's going on with the company. You talk about values, what does that mean? So I have my clients um, look for it, look for when people are living out those particular okay. values, and then they call them out. Okay, You know, in the monthly letter to all employees, in the all-employee meetings, in trainings, um, when I have workshops on the culture... I always have the leaders um, at least in the room for the beginning of it or throughout it. So they're talking about, here's our vision. Here's why this is important. Here's how we're going to measure it. And it really is very different than just having some training for employees. They're seeing, right. oh, wow, this is this is important. This is part of who we are and who we're going to be.
1: Right. This is great. Okay, so um, technically the show should be over, but I'd like to go one more 10-minute segment with you. Sure. Okay, don't go anywhere because I want to. I want you to think about and answer to this question, Cherry. Can a CEO overcommunicate or be too transparent? So don't go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. Sherry's going to address that and other things when we come back after this very short break from our valued sponsors.
3: Wow, marketing predictions are out for 2015, and marketing success is changing. Did you know that Google is now actively tracking your business and personal brand and online reputation? Online and offline marketing has changed. Google is driving more than 85% of your traffic. And if your brand is inconsistent or has poor mobile usability, your rankings and traffic can suffer in 2015. To learn how your business is currently viewed and what can be done to improve your brand's visibility and authority, Contact SUNUP Group for a free marketing analysis. It could be a business game changer. Visit www.sunupgroup.com today or call 877-609-3840, extension 700. our executive peer group.
0: Successfully navigating the changing world of public relations and digital marketing requires an experienced, tenacious, yet gracious team. In business for more than 20 years, Orange County-based T&C delivers big agency results with personalized service. For more information, call us at 714-536-8407 or visit us online at tnco.me. Are you ready to tap into the power of social media to promote your business? It's easy to get social with Turn Up the Volume, the award-winning social media marketing professionals who know how to get results. Drive web traffic, boost sales. Get social today. Visit www.TurnUpTheVolume.com. That's TurnUpTheVolume.com.
1: Welcome back to Bonus Time here on Critical Mass Radio Show. Sherry Narabi and I are talking about all things uh, when strategy meets performance, culture, and communications. And right before the break, Sherry, I said... In your experience, can a CEO either ever over-communicate or be overly transparent? What's your experience?
2: Can you give me a couple examples of what you mean by that? Well,
1: can a leadership team go back to the well of explaining to their employees their culture and their value systems and why this action is important in the larger context, or can they be too transparent in sharing information about the way they made a decision or the things that are going on the behind the scenes i mean can they ever be too indulgent in this area with their with their organization i don't know the answer to that and i'm just wondering if you've seen examples where they have been
2: well when you're talking about over communicating there's a negative connotation to that and I'll tell you this, employees really appreciate getting information about what's going on in the organization, what changes are com- are happening, if there have been acquisitions. They're really hungry to know what's going on in these other locations. What can we learn from them? What are they doing? And so on one hand, um, giving this type of regular, consistent information is something that really engages people and opens up a dialogue between the staff and the leaders and b- could bring a lot of innovation. Um, in terms of talking about the values and you know can you over communicate that? Here's the deal I think it's important to be clear on what they are and uh, there should be no question about it but employees are really looking to see how you're walking the talk and how you're role modeling them. So. It's not so much about talking about it all the time. It's when there are tough decisions to be made, making those decisions, because that speaks volumes. Okay.
1: A different scenario than what I ask you, which I think everyone would agree would be very bad, is where you talk a lot about a set of culture values that you have and you don't live them.
2: Yeah, I mean, I see that a lot. I think leaders who do that are well-intentioned. Okay. And... You know when I go into an organization, I'll see sometimes these plaques and the values and the conference rooms are named after them. And I think it's very clever. But really, that's uh, the question that it leaves me with is, are those lived? Right. Right. That's the biggest thing. So you could have have none of that. And if you have the leaders being just really, intentional about the behaviors they want to see in others then they're looking in the mirror and making those behaviors and when you asked about can you be too transparent i think it's really about um sharing with the employees enough where they know what's going on but it doesn't have to be about every single decision right but what it see it turns out i see much more of decisions being made without talking to employees or gaining their input and that really is, is unhelpful for the organization. And I see leaders of all levels doing it. And the reason is, you know, I want to move fast. Right. I don't it have takes time. time. Right. But, you know, that's short-term thinking. They're not going to
1: understand it anyway. Right. And, right. In
2: the short term, that might be um, a time saver. But in the long term, it's not. Right. When you don't have buy-in, when people are confused, when they don't know how to communicate it to the customers. And so it's really about um, making the strategy clear and the path to reaching it and the values clear.
1: So so it sounds like you look at leaders as the cultural architects. I do. And that they're really that that's part of their leadership responsibility.
2: And it's a great it's a if you own it, if you realize how much power that carries, it's a very exciting thing.
1: Right. And it is my distinct belief that the larger the organization is, the harder it is to reframe the culture. So get it right the first time or at least keep working it as you're growing because later on you're going to, with more people, I just think it's it's a bigger challenge.
2: You should always be working on your culture. It's as if, I'm going to use the metaphor of a garden. If you have this beautiful garden, you need to be constantly feeding it, giving it vitamins, trimming it. Some people would say talking to the plants. But the thing is, there is no, you know, here we did all this. We had this strategic planning. We had the workshops. Okay, the culture should be good. You constantly need to be reinforcing it and making sure that the rest of the organization is doing so as well.
1: And is it fair to expect that your supervisors and your middle-level people, if you're large enough to be fortunate enough to have those levels in your organization, are able to do that for their departments as well?
2: People do what they're rewarded for. Okay. And so if that is part of what you are measuring them on and you're expecting them to do certain activities to build the culture, they will tend to do it. Okay.
1: I also think that um, people are slightly different when the bosses are around than when the bosses aren't around. And, And I think a healthy culture that fits with what your expectations are tend to reinforce the kind of behaviors that you expect to have in place when you're not there. Sort of what you'd said earlier, the boss can't be everywhere as the company grows. I think by leaving a little bit of the culture there, or leaving a lot of the culture there, I think it helps the leaders feel good that the company is showing up in the marketplace the way that they would want it to.
2: Right. So the more you are developing your employees, the more you are coaching them and making clear what decision-making matches what the organization wants to do the more likely it is that they are going to be making those same types of decisions when they are empowered to do so you know when you have values of for example i'll use a common one customers first um, there could be a tough decision and there's no leaders there and the, the staff will say you know what okay this is a tough one let's look at let's look to our values. Right. You know, or what would our boss do? What what process would our boss go through in talking about this? And right. so, when they've seen that role modeled, then they too will understand. Okay, so this is our process. Let's talk it through. Let's look at how it's been done in the past. Let's look at the values, and then they make the best decision possible.
1: You know, that's really. Um that is sort of the, liberate, the liberating agent of a, of a culture that's in line with mm-hmm. what you expect. Because I find, as companies grow, many times the, the leadership has to go back and rethink with the employees why they did what they did. But if you've got these guideposts, these touchstones, mm-hmm. y- you, you, you might, might be more likely to get them to the point where, well, I wouldn't have done what you did, but I can see exactly how you got there. That's
2: exactly okay. right. Okay, rather
1: than i would have never even started down that path right Mm -hmm. so that's a lot easier to correct i would think and have a more consistent delivery of your value proposition by having a strong culture that sets alongside of that that's why i think having a healthy organization and a well-performing organization are not mutually exclusive
2: well it just depends how you describe healthy profitable
1: No, I mean healthy culturally. I mean healthy from a people development, all the things that we've been talking to up to this. A well-run company is profitable, it's efficient, it's effective, it's good in the marketplace, but it may be uh, on a a healthy place to work. It may have politics, silos, etc.
2: Right, so you can have a culture that is encouraging and there are... Managers giving feedback and there's clear communication. But if the strategy is not correct and if there are leaders who are not holding the employees to a high level of performance, then it doesn't matter. You know, if you could, just because you have a good culture doesn't mean it's going to be performance. Uh, performance because you have to have the strategy and you have to be holding people up to meet that strategy because right. a lot of it's sometimes when people try to have this um culture where there's latte I, I wrote an article about this on my blog. It's not about latte machines and ping pong tables. Right, I saw that, yeah. Those that's just stuff. People are looking for goals and coaching and clarity on how to get there. And so if you don't have that and you have this other stuff, that's not gonna create a profitable organization. You can have a profitable company um that is reinforcing the bottom line but not teamwork so that's another um way that it's not the best setup you need to have both the people side and the production side
1: okay so let me ask you this and we're talking with sherry nurabi she is the principal at strategies meets her company strategies meets performance um if I'm a leader of a company or an entrepreneur and I go, you know what, I want this culture to be a reflection of me and and th- take it or leave it, I'm a hard ass. Mm-hmm. I, I'm someone who expects people to do these things and we don't, you know, I mean, I'm, I am all about the business. Have you seen companies where that level of approach to the business can actually work inside the business, where it isn't one where you... Um, where there's a lot of uh, other things that might come along with it with a culture like at zappos or some other place that's a little more liberal and free willing can, can that harder approach the business still engage a healthy culture
2: it's so broad okay so <laughs> you need um i've seen these tough leaders and unless you have a clear path for where employees need to go and you have the strategy clear and what the behaviors are that they need i don't know what this this tough guy thing is i mean you can you don't have to have just the the skill set and the goals you do have to have the side where you're encouraging people and coaching them as well when they need it so you know that'll get you to a certain point if you have people who walk in with the skill sets and the ability but in the long term people do need that Positive reinforcement. They do want to work in a nice culture where, you know, we spend so much time at work. Right. E- eventually, you know, that type of tough guy leadership. Um, w- might burn people out. You okay. know, it just depends. I don't know but specifically if they're f- but what... But if they're
1: fair, yeah. and they say, look, I measure you on your performance, and, you know, I, I have a set of metrics, and you either make it or you don't make it, and this is what we all expect of each other, and we're sort of like the, you know, we're we're sort of like the Marines here. I'm not, you know, saying anything bad about the Marines, but, I mean, we don't, we don't put a lot of energy behind anything other than the raw performance, and we're all a type A, hard-charging performers. I mean, I'm just wondering, mm-hmm. could that be a... Still a healthy culture, but it doesn't have a lot of the other things that maybe contemporary training says you need to have to be able to build a healthy organization.
2: It depends on how people are treating one another. Okay. It depends on how people are treating the customers. So if they
1: treated them with respect, if they did what they needed for the customer, if I mean, if, if they're it's taking your earlier statement that not every company has to be like Zappos. You can mm-hmm. have your own culture. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, I'm just thinking that there may be some people out there who really do care about people sure. and are good people, people. But at the end of the day, they have a, a more limited view on how much engagement they want to have with their, with their employees and with the organization, and they. Just drive it more based on some uh, set of numbers and, and performance. So,
2: people want to be engaged. Yes, people they do, want don't they? To get positive reinforcement. Yes, they do. Good uh, job and encouragement. Even the hardest driving successful salespeople need more than just the money. Okay. And th- I mean, you can have a culture like that where you're only focused on that. And I think if you focus on more than just that one dimension in the long-term your company will be more successful short-term could be fine but you could burn people out you can you know hurt your brand where you don't get the best people coming in because they hear it's a pretty cold place to work right and uh, you know it doesn't take that much i think when the leader is open to seeing how his or her behavior can be updated a bit you know new behaviors added it creates a world of difference. Okay. I've seen I've worked with many leaders like that and who are smart and talented and hard driving but really need more of that emotional intelligence and more of that ability to connect with people and the changes they've made make a huge impact on the organization especially since they're at the top
1: without giving up their focus on performance.
2: Absolutely. You should always be focused on performance.
1: Exactly. All right, Sherry, how does someone find you online? Where would you direct them to your company's website, or where would you suggest they go to learn more about Strategy Meet Performance?
2: Uh, you can contact me at sherry at strategymeetsperformance.com, and that is the website for Strategy Meets Performance. I'm also on LinkedIn and on Twitter with the name Team Strategist
1: team strategist. Well, this has been fun. I'm glad we were able to take a little extra time. You you, you really uh, gave me a good refresher on what you do. I've known what you do. I've seen your work firsthand, ladies and gentlemen, in the marketplace. And I can say um, from what I've seen, she does, sure, you do amazing work. Thank your you. firm does amazing work with people. And the last question, what size companies do you tend to work with?
2: The companies I tend to work with are in the $10 to $100 million in annual revenue. Okay, And you know, looking to continue that growth and wanting to make sure they're doing all the right things to have the culture in place to do that.
1: And where do you, what geography are you working in? Are you across the country? Are you national? Do you focus in a certain region, Southern California? Most,
2: mostly West Coast. West Coast. And, you know, for the right client who's very excited, engaged to grow, I would do maybe a little further. Okay. <laughs>
1: well, thank you very much for being on the show.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I've
1: enjoyed it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to wrap it up. Hopefully you're, you've learned something from my conversation today. With Sherry, you know our goal here is to help you, our listening audience of CEOs who are running middle market firms, to improve your decision making skills. It wouldn't be possible without our advertisers: Center Club, Community Bank, Decision Toolbox, Executives Unlimited, M.B.N. Design, S.N.H. Rubber, Strategic Market Intelligence, Sunup Group, T and Company, Tone Software, Turn up the volume, and U.P.S. Protection. If you'd like to learn more about Critical Mass for Business, or maybe you want to f- refer a future guest. Critical Mass 4FORBusiness.com F-O-R, is our website. And until the next show, which is tomorrow, I hope all of your decisions will move your company in a positive direction.
0: You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi.